0: Well good morning everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you all for joining us here at uh, Gospel Saving Church and uh, it's my pleasure to be up here in front of you and representing you know the Lord and what he spoke to me this week and his word and my privilege and honor to be teaching you guys and and uh, taking you through the scriptures as uh, we've been doing here for a long time and If uh, you guys want to open up to Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 through 28, you just want to get there. And then if you do want to join me in a word of prayer before we begin, I I need the Lord to help me bring forth a message to you and and, uh, do his work here. So, Lord, we just love you and we praise you and we thank you, Lord. We ask that you would bless this time, Lord. Help us to understand what you have to speak to us today. Lord, help me to communicate well the message that you have for us here. And Lord, I pray for all those in this home and and all over the world that are listening to this message, Lord, we we pray that I pray, Lord God, that they would you would touch their hearts, Lord, with what I say today. And I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us all, teach us, Lord. Teach us, Lord, what we ought to know. Cuz Lord, I know I'm not the teacher. Jesus, you said in your word, You are not the teacher. The Christ is the teacher. So, Lord, we ask you to teach us today and speak to us by your Holy Spirit, Lord, as I'm just the vessel by which you work through. Lord, thank you and praise you and bless you, Lord. We just pray for no distractions, and Lord, just the the word would be spoken, Lord, in in power today, Lord, and and your love and your truths would come forth to the whole world as they have been. We thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. Amen. All right, so Matthew 24, 15 through 28, I'll read them after my thoughts from last week's message, the signs of the end of the age, part one. The signs of the end of the age that we looked at last week are pretty evident, aren't they? I mean, you know, the hatred amongst people, the, you know, all the different things that Jesus spoke on last week, they're pretty evidently seen in our world today. I see them clearly, we spoke about them last week. Well, after last week's message, I heard one of our members talking to somebody else about one of the signs that they saw evidently today in our world today, and that was the sign of Matthew 24, 12. Jesus said, because lawlessness would abound, the love of many would grow cold. That means that hatred would abound. And if you don't see that in our world today, I mean, it's everywhere. Hatred abounds everywhere. Paul writes about this same thing, 2 Timothy or 2 Timothy 3, 1-2, through 2, he says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves. Well, if you think about what he's saying there, if we love only ourselves, we're conceited. And if you're conceited and you love only yourself, you can't love anyone else. Hatred will only remain for everybody else. That is what we see in abundance today. I mean, look at what we've got going on in Ferguson, look, or what we had going on in Ferguson. Look what we've got going on in Baltimore right now. Hatred ru- is ruling this world and rising every day. We could see it in our cars every day on our commutes to work. I mean, people hate one another, have a genuine hatred and dislike for one another, and it's just so easily seen. Hatred is in abundance in our world today, and that is one of, the, one of the end times things that Jesus said we could look for as the end drew nearer. And unfortunately, it's just going to get worse. Hatred in the world is going to continue to grow. It's not going to get less. So with all these signs being so evident, what does this mean for us? How, what does that mean for us today? What, what, what is this? What, what, how do we respond to this? Jesus only gave us these signs so that we would realize that the end is drawing near. The end of the world, the end of the age is coming. It's closing out. We're we're almost there. God is showing us these things. God wrote them in his word because he loves us. He wanted us to see that the end is drawing near. So that what? So that if we're not right with him, we'd come to be right with him. Wow, I didn't know it was that close. Wow, look at how evident they are. Wow, man, the end of the world. And, you know, the end of the world is going to be a scary time. End of the age is going to be a scary time. It's not spoken of well in Scripture. You know, we talked about it uh, last week, the the dreadful and fearful day of the Lord. It's not going to be a good time. It's not going to be a, a nice, peaceful time. It's not going to be full of love. Okay, we're going to read about it at the end, but Christ is going to come back not as the loving baby in the manger and, 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 and you know walking in, in Galilee and in Jerusalem, oh, I, I love you all so much, come to me. He's coming back to judge the world. He's coming back to judge sin, not coming back as a sweet, innocent baby in a manger. So the end of the world is going to be a terrible time, and we're going to see that today as we read our scripture Today, our title of our message today is the signs of the age, part two, the signs of the end of the age, part two. If you want to read along with me, Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 through 28, we're going to read it and then I'm going to teach on if you want to join me, Matthew 24, 15, let's read it together. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, Jesus goes on to say, spoken of by Daniel, the prophet standing in the holy place. Whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babes in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation... Such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, not a good time. No nor has ever or, has sh- or no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, "Look, here's the Christ or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. He's telling us there, I've told you before. Therefore, if, any, or if, therefore, if they say to you, look, he, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he's in the inner rooms, don't, don't believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Now, According to Jesus here in verse 15, another sign of the end of the age will be an abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. Plus, he tells us, verse 15, he says three things to us. The second thing he tells us, he says that a prophet Daniel told us that this was going to happen. And the last little thing he caught, and I almost left this out almost until probably Wednesday or Thursday, as I, as I set up my messages from Monday all the way to Sunday, seven days a week, I work on them. God showed me this last little bit about Wednesday or Thursday that I was almost going to leave out. Matthew records the very end of 15. He says, whoever reads, let him understand. That's, that's something so little that we could miss, but we can't. I'm not going to let us miss that. God wasn't going to let me miss that. Matthew really wants us to understand the sign Christ tells us about here. And we know that Jesus Christ wants us to understand it. And we know that Daniel wanted people to understand it. That's why he prophesied of it. So that is what we're going to do today. We are going to get some understanding to this sign. That's what Matthew was saying. Let him who reads understand. That's what God's desire is. For us to understand. God doesn't want to keep anybody deceived. He doesn't want to keep anybody in the dark. God is about truth. He wants us to understand what he's saying to us. So, what is Jesus talking about? And what is the abomination of desolation? He is referring here, Jesus is referring to a prophecy that the prophet Daniel, the man of God or the prophet of God, foretold us of a major sign of the end of the world that people are going to see. Who was Daniel? A little bit about him. Daniel was a prophet of God. That means that God spoke to him, and he spoke the things that God spoke him to the people. He wrote down the things that God told him through the people. A prophet is somebody that tells things that God wants to say now to people, and a prophet is also somebody that tells something that's going to happen in the future. Prophecy. It's something that's going to happen in the future. So Daniel was a servant of God who prophesied during the Babylonian captivity of the Jews, right around 600 B.C., or that would be 600 years before Christ was born. He was born in Jerusalem, and he died in Babylon under the captivity while the Jews were in captivity for their rebellion against God. Now, if you're doing some math here and you're thinking about what I just said here, this prophecy is pretty awesome in verse 1 here that Jesus is referring to by Daniel. Uh, Thinking about it, Daniel got a vision from God, About the end of the world, or a closing to the end of the world. And he got this prophecy right around 600 BC. That would be 600 years before Christ was born. Now today, we're almost 2,000 years after Christ resurrected, which makes his prophecy today 2,600 years old. That's a long time. Jesus affirms this about 2,000 years ago, which means that God did speak to Daniel of something that was going to happen at the end of the world. So where do we find this 2,600-year-old prophecy that Daniel spoke about that Jesus is referring to here? What's in Daniel chapter 9. You guys can go along with me or just listen to me as I read along. Uh, Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27 in what the Bible calls, or what people have come to call it, the 70 weeks or 70 years prophecy. And this is what Daniel says. This is the prophecy that Jesus refers to in verse 15 of our scripture today. Daniel says, chapter 9, verse 24. He says, 70 weeks are determined. But this is not weeks. The same word in Hebrew for weeks also meant year, day, day months. So here we have this being 70 weeks or we actually as we interpret it, it's 70 years. So 70 years or weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city, God speaking to Daniel. And he goes on to say, this 70 weeks for for your people and for your holy city to finish the transgression to make an end of sins. So in 70 a 70 year period, What's, what we're gonna see happen is there's, we're gonna see an end of sin, an end to sin in the world. That's what he's saying. He says to make reconciliation for iniquity. That means that all sin's gonna be reconciled. Not only is sin gonna go away, but all sin's gonna be dealt with. Okay, that's what he's saying. To bring in everlasting righteousness. That means sin will no longer dwell in the world at the end of this 70 years. Or seventy weeks, as Daniel says, and righteousness will dwell. He says. He goes on to say, to seal up vision and prophecy. So no more prophecy. God will no longer prophesy at the end of this seventy-year period. God will no longer give visions at the end of this at the end of this seventy years. And he says, and to anoint the most holy. He's talking about the Christ to anoint or to bring it or to anoint the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He says, he goes on to say, Know therefore and understand. What did I say in the beginning? God wants us to understand. Jesus wants us to understand what this means. Daniel wanted us to understand what this meant. Know therefore and understand, Daniel tells us, that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, this was a prophecy that was going to happen. A great king of the Medes and Persians was, gave a command to restore Jerusalem and the temple in about the year 483 B.C., and that happened. And then and from that time forth, from the time that temple was built until the coming forth of the prince, Messiah, would, there would be seven weeks and 62 weeks. So there were going to be 69, not weeks, but years, a 69, seven-year period that was going to happen. Until this from this temple being built and the, the Jerusalem being rebuilt to Messiah Christ coming, there was gonna be a sixty-nine seven year period. And that's what we saw. Christ came, and actually you can calculate the actual day and actual year that Christ came by using his prophecy. There's, there's much greater preachers than me that have done all this different work in this, but you, they, they've figured this all out and mathematically calculated that from the year of like 483 until Christ came, when you calculate 69 times 7, that's exactly the year that Christ was born, and that's what happened already. He goes on to say, the street will be built again on the wall, even in troublesome times, and that's what we saw. As the Jews rebuilt the temple and as the Jews rebuilt Jerusalem, it was a troublesome time. They were being attacked by the people around them, the Old Testament records. And then he goes on to say, and after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. Daniel just prophesied Jesus Christ dying for the sins of the world, which we know he did right around 33 A.D., Again, this was 600 or so years before Christ was born. He says the Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself. That means he's going to die for others. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now, we've been talking about this, how in 70 AD, Titus came in, the Roman government, or the Roman general. He came in, he destroyed Jerusalem, wiped it to the ground, Destroyed the temple. Not one stone was left upon another. And this is what Daniel is prophesying of here. That's what we saw happen in 70 AD. But you didn't know all this stuff was in the Bible. All these different things that God spoke hundreds of years before it happened. But they happened. So this this evil person is going to come and he's going to destroy the sanctuary. And he says the end of it will be with a flood. Listen to this last part here. Until the end of the war, desolations are determined. We just heard that word today, the abomination of desolation. He said, then he, this this person here at this time that's coming, what Jesus is referring to here, he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week or a seven-year period. But in the middle of the seven-year period, he shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. And on the wing of abominations shall be one who makes desolate. That's important. Keep that in mind. I'll speak on that in a second. Even until the consummation, which is determined, is poured out on the desolate. So, in the end of that prophecy, we just read that there is going to be one, or who's one, or a person, that comes and makes what's holy desolate, or lays it waste. And, This one not only makes this holy place desolate or lays it waste, but he also stops the sacrifices and the offerings. So what could be holy according to Christ and Daniel where people do sacrifices and offerings that could be laid waste or that could be made unholy? The word could even be translated. What could that be? Something that was holy to Daniel And holy to Christ, a place where they brought holy offerings and they sacrificed their offerings. Well, there's only one place that the Jews could do this, and that would be at the temple of God. So Jesus is referring to somebody here that's going to come, verse 15, Daniel's scripture here, Daniel chapter 9, one that's going to come at the end of time, who's going to come into the temple of God. He's going to stand in it, he's going to make it desolate, and then he's going to stop The sacrifices and offerings. So a major sign of the end of the world that Daniel tells us about, Daniel tells us about, and that Jesus also affirms is someone's going to stand in God's holy temple. They're going to make it desolate or unholy. And they're going to stop sacrifices and offerings. I believe this one, the Bible speaks about them too, as being the antichrist. Why do we believe that these things are true? How do we know these details are correct? Well, Whenever you're wondering about things or you see things and you may read them over in the Bible, that's how you find out truth. That's how you find out interpretations of the Bible. You put them together with parallel scriptures that either support or deny your theory or what you think is the truth. And so that's what we're going to do today. We found a there's a parallel scripture in the Bible that speaks about this same event that Jesus talks about here, that Daniel speaks about, and it's in 2 Thessalonians 2. Chapter two, verses, or chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. You see, the believers of the church of Thessalonica had had, had had an idea that the Christ had already come. Somebody came in, or people had come in and said, Oh, you know, the, the second coming of Christ has already come. You guys are too late. It's, it's too late. You guys have missed it. So Paul, they're kind of like their patriarch. They're, they're one that was kind of like their head of head elders, comes in and he kind of corrects them with his letter. 2 Thessalonians, and in his letter in chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he speaks on this same topic. And let's listen to what Paul has to say about Daniel's prophecy, about what Christ is referring to here. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. He says, Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, we ask you, not to be so so soon shaken in mind or in trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. So he says here, hey, guys, don't worry. It's not come from us. Don't be so worried about it. The day of the Lord hasn't come yet. He says, let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And, listen to what he says here, because he talks about what Jesus and Daniel are speaking about. And the man of sin, this is the abomination of desolation that Jesus is talking about here. This is the abomination. The man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. He's speaking to us of the Antichrist, the man of sin. This is how the Bible refers him to, the devil, or the devil in Recarnation or incarnation in the flesh the antichrist the man of sin the abomination is revealed the son of perdition who opposes listen and exalts himself above all that is called god or that is worshiped so that he sits as god in the temple of god is this all sounding familiar showing himself that he is god well when he does that and he sits in the temple That's when the abomination comes and makes desolate. He lays waste. He comes in as the Antichrist. He speaks terrible things against God. He stands in God's temple and he profanes God. This completely defiles the holy temple of God. Jesus says here, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. And Paul affirms that this will be the Antichrist standing in the temple of God, profaning God, making the temple unholy. So the Antichrist comes, he sits, stands in the temple of God, proclaims himself to be God and makes the temple desolate or unholy. And Jesus Christ says here in verse 15 that this would be a major sign of the end of the world that people can be looking for. And one thing I've said before, and I'll say it again, if Jesus says it's gonna happen, then the Bible says it's gonna happen. But you may be sitting there and saying to yourself, but wait a minute, Pastor Ed. There is no temple of God in Jerusalem. That's crazy. What are you, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? How, how can an Antichrist come and stand in a place that does not exist? And you're right. There is no temple in Jerusalem as of today. But, again, if God says it's going to happen, Jesus speaking about the end of the world here, Daniel prophesying of the end of the world 600 years before Christ, and he said it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The way we believe, the way Daniel writes, Antichrist will make a peace treaty with Israel and their foes, which we know today to be Islam. Basically, Israel is, you know, has several different groups in it, but the two major groups in Israel right now are the Jewish people and the Muslims. Okay? So the Antichrist, we believe, will come in and he'll make a treaty, a peace treaty with Israel and with Muslims. As Daniel said in his prophecy, remember he said he will confirm a covenant with many for one week or for a one seven-year period. And in this time of peace, This Antichrist will come and he's going to help them confer together and to build a brand new temple of God. But it will only be until Satan, who manifests himself in the flesh, becomes the Antichrist. He goes into the temple of God that he helped create and that he will proclaim himself to be God Almighty as he stands there. And he will speak as we know other people. Parts of the Bible say he will speak blasphemous words against God while he's in there. So he will profane the temple. He will proclaim himself to be God as he stands in the temple of God, profaning and making unholy the holy temple of God. Satan is pure evil, isn't he? And where does the Bible say it even confirms that this temple will be in Jerusalem? Right here, Jesus speaks about it. Where can we look for this terrible sign to happen? And who will it mainly affect at first? Look at verse 16 of our scripture today in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus says, Then let those in Judea flee to the mountains. Well, where is Judea? Judea is in Israel. So it's this sign, this temple, what we're looking for to happen will happen in Israel. It won't happen in America, it won't happen in Russia, it won't happen in Spain. Jesus said here, let those who are in Judea, or in Israel, flee to the mountains. You know, for years, for hundreds and thousands of years, evidently by all the wars that are over there, by all the conflict that's over there, Satan hates the Jewish people. They are the epicenter. Israel itself is the epicenter of war after war after war after war. The Jews are constantly at war. Muslims are constantly over there trying to kill them, trying to destroy them. And and Israel is just like this epicenter of of Satan's attacks. And we've seen it for years, and it just doesn't seem to go away. So how should the Jews, according to Jesus here, How should they respond to when they see this terrible sign? Look at verses 16 through 22 here in our text. He goes on to say, Jesus says, Well, I already read 16, but then he goes, Then let those who were in Judea flee to the mountains. So, Jews, when you see this sign happen, when you see the Antichrist stand in the temple and make himself God, get out. Get out of Dodge. Flee to the mountains, leave. Don't stand there and try to fight him. Don't rebel, don't do this. Get out, go right now, flee. Verse 17, he goes on to say, let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. So in Israel, their houses are built kind of where people can go up on the roofs. Hey, if you're on your roof and this happens and you hear this happening, you see this happening, don't even go down into your house and get your clothes. Don't go get your food. Go jump if you have to and get to the mountains quick as you can. Get out right now. 19. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babes in those days. Why would he say that? Well, of course, ladies that are pregnant and nursing babes, they can't move as fast. And Jesus is saying here with urgency, hey, Jewish Jews, my Jews, my chosen elect people, get out as fast as you can. So if you're listening to me right now and you're in Israel, hey, and you and this happens, go and 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 don't go into the house, but get the ladies that are pregnant and those that are nursing and even if you have to carry them and run, get away as fast as you can and flee to the mountains, get away from the antichrist ASAP, verse 20. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. They weren't supposed to travel so far past the Sabbath. they were only supposed to stay within the city. And pray that this doesn't happen on the Sabbath. Pray that this doesn't happen in winter. Winter's cold, but winter's icy, winter's weathery, you can't move as fast in winter. Get out as fast as you can, and hope and pray that the Antichrist does not come when the weather's terrible, or on the Sabbath, because you'll have to break the Sabbath to get out. Verse 21, for then there will be a great tribulation. This is why. Get out fast. Why? Verse 21, for then there will be a great tribulation. Such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor shall ever be. So what's going to come upon you after this Antichrist comes in and proclaims himself to be me? Terrible, literal hell on earth for you Jews. Get out of Jerusalem. Get out of Israel. Get to the mountains as fast as you can. Now, go leave now. And pray your conditions are perfect to do this. And God, have mercy on your soul if you have a baby in your womb or if you're nursing because you just can't move as fast because this Antichrist is going to release his wrath upon you, Jews. So get out as soon as you can. And he says, he goes on to say, unless those days were shortened, so Satan's not just going to rise up against the Jews for one day. Jesus says, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. So had God not shortened those days, the Antichrist would wipe out every Jew completely and kill them all. But for the elect's sake, he says, those days will be shortened what a terrible terrible horrible time this is going to be for the jews as a whole and for instance for the world too the bible speaks about that satan is not just going to come against the jews at this time but satan is going to come up against all who call upon the name of the lord as well he'll just start in jerusalem and in israel first so The end times, as I said earlier in my intro, are not going to be that great of a time to be here. Daniel speaks of this last seven week or seven year period before the end comes, and the way he writes about it, we believe, Christian Orthodoxy believes, that it's going to be split into two different three and a half year periods. Satan's going to come in and we believe that the start of his reign, the start of this last seven year period will be this treaty that he's going to make, this, this peace treaty that he's going to make between Israel and their foes. He's going to bring kind of a false peace upon the earth. We're gonna, there's going to be a three and a half year period of peace and then there's going to be a three and a half year period of literal hell, what we just read about today in our scripture today. In the first three-and-a-half-year period, he's going to make a peace between, the, between Jews and their foes, and the temple's going to be built. He's going to make a type of peace upon the whole earth as a people as a whole. He's going to come in, he's going to be a great orator. He's going to be a great world leader. Oh, you know, let's unify. Let's come together. Praise be, to you know, praise be. Let, let's, let's all come together. And, and what people have been wanting for years? Peace. People want to stop war. People, all kinds of peace, peace here, peace there, peace there. We don't see peace. We see hatred increase. Well, he's going to come in and try to, oh, no, 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 let's stop the hatred. Let's just bring peace. But then, as we just read today, at the end of the first three and a half year period, he will fulfill Daniel's prophecy that Jesus speaks of here. He'll stand in the new temple of God and proclaim himself to be God. And, of course, he'll stop all the sacrifices and offerings that the Jews will have started again because they'll have their new temple. And he'll stop and he'll bring a desolation to the temple of God. At this time, the Bible says, though, one good thing, as Jesus just said here to Jews, the Jews' eyes will be opened, finally, as a nation, as a whole. Right now, the Jews, as a nation, as a whole, hate Jesus. They think that they're still waiting for their Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus was their Messiah. They don't believe that Jesus was the Christ. But in this time here, as Jesus is giving direction to the Jews, he wouldn't just give this direction if he was wasting his time. He gives this direction to the Jews because he says, hey, Jews. And what, what is he saying? And Paul confirms this in later writings, that the Jews as a whole, their eyes will be opened and they'll believe in Jesus as the Christ. And they'll they'll stand up and they'll, and they'll listen to Jesus' message here in Matthew chapter 24 and they'll get out. But it'd be, a, it'd be a terrible, terrible time for the people of this world when Satan does this. Good for the Jews because they'll come to know Christ. But bad for the world because Satan will truly unleash his evil upon this world. Look at what Jesus says next about his return because he's going to come back. He says here, according to him, now he's going to come back during this time. Notice where he puts this. He says you're going to see the abomination of desolation. This is all going to happen. Hey, when this happens, get out, Jews, go flee. And then he tells us about his coming back. Look at verse 23. He says, then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. Why did he say that? Well, look at 24. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, he repeats the same thing he just said in Matthew 24, 5, and 11 that we read about last week. He warns them again of these false Christs and these false prophets that are going to come and they're going to deceive many. And he says, hey, so if they tell you, hey, oh, he's over there only. Or, oh, he's in that room only. Hey, don't believe them because look at the rest. Look at what he says here. For false, for false Christ and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you before. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he's in the desert, do not go out. Or, look, he's in the inner rooms, do not believe it. Because don't look for me in just one room. Or don't look for me just for just because I'm over. Or they, they tell you just, I'm just over here. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. I'm coming, and you're gonna see me everywhere. You're gonna see me. No, no, I is going to miss when I come back and he says see I've told you before and so he's telling us then so we have a guide to now so we're not deceived when false Christ and false prophets come and say oh he's oh, oh he's only over there oh, oh there's been a secret invisible return of Christ he says no 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 as the lightning is from the east to the west so you're going to see the son of man return as I said in my intro he wants to tell us this stuff because he wants us to know it when we see it, that we know that he was the one. He likes to give prophecy, God speaks about, because then we know that only God knows the future. And when he tells us these things, when we see them, we know that God is true, and we can be ready for it. You know, a quick note from last week, as I talked about, you know, some of those false Christs and false prophets that there are in in the world today, even right now that there's been 35 on this partial list of false Christs and false prophets that have come and said, Oh, I'm Christ or, Oh, uh, follow me. I've got the way. And you know, all these different things. Jesus says here, look, I'm going to come, everybody's going to see me, every eye, no eye is going to miss. The Bible ref, uh, the Bible actually confirms that he says this in Revelation 1-7. The Bible says Revelation 1-7, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. So this return of his is going to be a powerful, life-changing, unforgettable event that everybody's going to see. And what we talked about last week, remember C.T. Russell, the founder of the Jehovah Witnesses? And remember the the uh, Joseph Smith and the Mormons? Remember all these other guys that prophesied that, oh, he's coming? And remember all the guys now that are saying, oh, I'm the Christ? There's like 13 of them still right now that are claiming to be the Christ right now, but they're like only in Russia or they're you know only here or they're only in China and how how do we know they're not the right Christ? Because you have to go someplace to see them. How come Jesus here says, every eye will see me when I return, yet there's probably the majority of the people in the world that don't know that there's a guy in Russia right now that's claiming himself to be Christ. Well, that can't be. The right one. He can't be the Christ because he didn't fulfill what Jesus himself, and Jesus is not a liar, said. He said, "Every eye will see me, everyone in the whole world." This Bible says it twice. So, unfortunately, if any of the followers of these false Christs in our world today, if any of these people that have said, you know, "Hey, I'm the Christ," and then they have all these multitudes following them if any of their followers would have just read their Bibles at all, Matthew 24 or 26 through 27, they would have seen that Jesus said, hey, don't look for me here. Don't look for me there. I'm not going to be in just one room. I'm not going to be uh, in, in secret. You're going to, everybody's going to see me. And if they would have just looked to their Bibles and not looked to just somebody that they wanted to believe they would have known the truth. It's funny cuz God's word says that my people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. And that is what we see. And we also see that, you know, we have all these people all over the world that are claiming to be a Christ or the Christ or Jesus. And and what and what do we see? We see multitudes of followers that are believing them. The Bible says in the last days people would heap up for themselves teachers because they have itchy ears that tell them what they want to hear. And that's what we see here too. And that's a last day prophecy as well too. And if you look in our world today of all the people that are out there that just teach you what you want to hear from the Bible, all the good stuff only, they never warn you of the end to come. They never warn you of sin. They never warn you of rebellion against God. It's only ever good. Oh, come to my church. Oh, it's so happy. Oh, it's going to be Oh, it's wonderful. God loves you. And that's all they ever speak about. And all these guys, that they only tell you the the good things. And oh, I I just want your money. All the money, 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 money. Be careful. Be careful. For these are false prophets and people heap them up and it's the last days. And so we're going to see more and more and more and more and more people coming in and just telling you what you want to hear and making you feel good when you come to church. And hey, you know what? God does love us. And that does make me feel good. But unfortunately, what Jesus says here, that doesn't make me feel too good. It makes me feel good because I know the end is not far away and I know where I'm at with the Lord. And so I'm happy about that. I'm happy that, you know what, hey, I'm not going to have to be here forever. I don't have to live forever on this sin-filled planet. But it makes me sad because there's a lot of people in the world that just don't believe in God, as I used to. And there's a lot of people in this world that don't believe in Jesus and that hate God, like I used to. And those people are going to get caught up in this. So it's not all good, and it's not all bad. There's good And there's bad. We just have to be careful what's right and what's wrong. And we need to stick to our Bibles. And in confirmation, he goes on last verse of today. He tells us in confirmation, he tells us, hey, that every eye is going to see. He kind of throws one last verse in there to tell us, hey, I'm not going to be a secret Christ. I'm not just going to be here. I'm not just going to be there. I'm not just don't look for me here. I'm going to every eye east to the west is going to see me. Look at verse 28. For wherever the carcasses, there the eagles will be gathered together. Wherever there are people, that's where they're going to see me. Wherever people are, that is where they will see me. Wow. End times, part two. What a scary. But amazing time this will be when the new temple is built in Jerusalem. The Antichrist reveals himself in it. The Jews are going to make peace and they're going to be allied with their enemies. Wow. And after this tribulation, as I said earlier, as Jesus alludes to here, but we'll get to next week too, verse 29, Jesus comes back in great power and everyone's going to see him. We'll get to that more in-depth last week, or next week, excuse me. We'll get to that next week. But he's going to come back in great power. Everybody's going to see him. He's going to talk about that after the tribulation. After, notice Jesus said, after all these things are shown, then I'm going to come. I'm not going to get into the pre, mid, or post return of Christ this week, but we will be focusing on that next week. But he says, after these tribulation times, then you'll see the coming of the Son of Man. It's a great and terrible time it will be but scary, uncertain, but as Jesus said, I've told you beforehand, so now we know what we should be looking for. We know what we should be watching out for. You know that you, what you need to look for, and you know what? These signs that Jesus talked about this week, you know, Daniel's prophecy, we'll go back to Daniel's prophecy, these are signs that you're not going to be able to miss. These things are going to be so evident. I I mean, it's going to make world news. The Jews make treaty and decide to build temple under so-and-so. It's going to make world news. So you know what you should be looking for. Jesus is not keeping us in surprise here. He's making it very clear what this major sign will be at the end of the world. So if you see a guy come along, make Peace between the Jews and their enemies, and he starts to make plans to build a temple. Don't be surprised when that happens. And then don't be surprised when you see him proclaim himself to be God in the temple of God, because this is what Jesus and Paul and Daniel were all war- warning us about. Don't be surprised. Just know wow, that's what Jesus said is going to happen. Know that the end is right around the corner. And Jesus Christ is about to come back his second time. And don't be deceived, Christians, or anybody listening to me for that matter, by anyone that comes and claims themselves to be Jesus. And, of course, they have a small ministry in the side, or, oh, oh I'm the Christ, but you got to come over here. I'm only in here. Warning, warning, warning. Remember, Jesus said, as the lightning flashes from the east to the west, so there I'm going to be. Warning, warning, warning. He will come back and every eye will see him. Be warned of any that proclaim themselves to be Christ without this happening. Now, you may be listening to all this and just think, man, a new temple being built in Jerusalem, Israel, the Jews and Muslims make peace with one another, Jesus coming back where the whole world sees him. Man, that's crazy, Pastor Ann. I, I don't believe it at all. That's nuts. Man, I can't see it. You're nuts. The Jews are enemies with the Muslims. and uh, you know, our President Obama doesn't even like Israel anymore. Man, and there's no going to be no peace in Israel. That's not going to happen. You're crazy. Well again, I said, if the Bible says it, if Jesus said it, it's going to happen. And it may sound crazy, but it will happen. If you don't believe now, you will believe one day. If you're not alive, you'll see it in death. And Because Jesus said, every eye will see. Every eye will see. I believe that means every eye. When the Bible says all, I believe it means all. So when he says every eye will see, that means every eye in heaven and on earth. And every eye in hell. And every eye on earth. Every eye is going to see him come back. Or if you're still alive, you're going to see it then too. You're going to be standing you're going to be witnessing it. But if you don't believe now, I'm not asking you to believe this. I'm asking you to seek God. Because all this stuff kind of is some far-fetched stuff, especially from what we see, this particular sign. But the fact that it was brought up 2,600 years ago, Jesus affirmed it about 2,000 years ago. Paul affirms it before he dies in around the 60s A.D., before he dies to the church in Thessalonica, and when it's repeated three times in the Bible, you have to take note of it. You have to say, well, why does God keep bringing this up? Because it will happen. So if you don't believe, God is reaching out to you today, trying to show you the truth so that you can be saved. His people are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. He's trying to give you that knowledge today. He's trying to pique your interest. In fact, it, it reminds me of when I was a little kid. And my cousin Joe used to come over to the house all the time. I was about 9, 10, 11 years old. And I hated it when he even came over because I used to not love God. I used to not believe in him at all. And at that time I didn't. Because every time he came over, I knew that he wasn't going to be there very long for he was going to open up that Bible and he was going to start talking about that Bible. And I hated it when he came over because I knew that's what he was going to do. But nevertheless, even though I hated him being there, I'd always find myself sitting at dinner. And once he started opening open up the Bible, he'd always open it up to that book of Revelation. And he'd always start talking about the end. And I'd always find myself listening intently. Hmm, that's interesting. Man, end? Mark of the beast? Wow, that's that's pretty interesting. And so God was planting seeds in my heart. Well, today... You're listening and you don't believe God's planting seeds in your heart. And He's telling you this again, as I said before, beforehand, so that you may know, so that when you see these things start to develop, or maybe you're listening to this message and, and the Antichrist has already come to be. This is I'm preaching and and uh on the third of uh May 2015. Maybe this is in ten years. And this has happened. Well, Jesus told you beforehand. This is not something that I came up with now. This is a recording done on May 3rd, 2015. So, wherever time you're in, and you may see this, Jesus said here, I tell you this so that you may know beforehand. So that you could be warned. Because God doesn't want you to be deceived. He wants you to know that when that guy stands in the temple and he proclaims himself to be God and he speaks blasphemous things against God and there's a temple in Israel and there wasn't on May 3rd, 2015, he wants you to know, hey, I know this, hey, watch out. Be warned, that's not me. That's not the real God. Be warned. He wants to warn you of this time that's coming so that when you see it or when you see it developing, you may know And believe that he loves you. And he paid for all your sins by his death on the cross. And he warned you these things to come. Because that's real love. If you see somebody in a burning house and you just watch the house burn down on top of them. And you watch them die in it. And you don't run up to the door and try to knock on that window of the door. Or you try to knock on the door. you try to break the glass and say, hey, get out. You're upstairs. Your house is burning. You don't really love them. Jesus is warning you here because when you see it, he's saying, come out of the burning house. Come to God. He loves you. He died for you. Come out of the house. Be saved. He doesn't want you to die without him or go through the end times events without him either. He wants you to come to him. Surrender to him now and and give him the control of your life. Now while there's still hope for you to be saved. Once you die, it's too late. If you wait till you dead, if you don't respond now, then you could die tonight. And not being in a loving relationship with God means that you will go to hell. That's what the Bible says. And if I didn't tell you that, I wouldn't love you either. If you don't have a loving relationship with God now, Jesus' sacrifice for you means nothing. And when you die, you'll die in your sins and you'll go to hell. So God doesn't want that, and neither do I. Dying without Christ is hell and torment for everlasting forever. And going through the end times events that are coming will beat literal hell on earth. But if you have God in your life, you can have peace in your life. No matter whether the foundations of the earth are shaken, you can have peace with God in your life. So Jesus says today, if you're not with him, come. And the bride and the spirit say, come, let us make peace together right now. Come and I'll take care of you and I'll hold you and I'll give you peace. That's what he told me on the day that I, before I, the day I got saved, I was seeking God and he spoke to my heart and he said, oh, Ed, I'm real and I love you and I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Come to me. And then that's what I did. I came to him. His desire for you is to come to know him and his amazing love for you and how much you cost him. So come if you're not already there. Now, Christians that already believe in all this because Jesus said it, and we put our trust in him and we know it will happen. My exhortation to you today is keep faithful in him until the end and follow him. Continue to believe in him and trust in him as, a, as as the heart of a little child trusts. I was speaking with my father the other day. We were in the car and we were talking about that trust. And I said, you know, God wants us to trust him as a three-year-old in the back seat of a car with a, in a stable family. That three-year-old doesn't worry one minute about whether he's going to eat that night or not. That three-year-old takes it for granted. Daddy, mommy, they're going to take care of me. They don't even worry about eating that night for dinner or the rent being paid is so far out of the three-year-old's mind. The toy, that's all they care about is the toy and love. And that's the kind of faith that God wants us to continue to have in Him and continue to have in Christ. Lord, you're in control. My life is in your hands. I trust you no matter how may, bad it may get, no, may, no matter how bad it may be right now. That's what God wants from us. He wants us to trust Him with every moment of our lives. And I hope and my prayer for you as we close will be that God strengthens you and that you continue to trust Him and that you continue to seek Him and serve Him in your everyday life. God speaks of many rewards that are coming to faithful when He comes back, many There's lots of rewards that God speaks of when he takes us back up to his kingdom. Mansions will be ours, and his love will be ours, and he will be in our city and be our light. And there's lots of rewards. So, Christian, stay faithful and proclaim him and be faithful and trust. Pray with me, please. Lord, thank you so much for your great love. And thank you, Lord God, so much that you have told us these things beforehand. So that, Lord, when we see them, or as we see them developing, or whether we even find ourselves in them, we may know that you knew of this beforehand. And that your warning and your exhortation to us is just, come to me. Be safe. You love the Jews, Lord. Even at the time you just showed me this, that you you spoke this message, the Jews, you're giving this message to the Jews in Judea, who were against you and who hated you, and who multitudes, along with the the religious leaders, they crucified you, Lord. And yet, in your love for them, even though they hated you, you still warned them that this event was coming, and that when they saw it, flee. And Lord, you're speaking that even to the Jews that hate you today. When you see this, get out. I love you. You would only tell somebody to get away from danger if you love them. Lord, you love the Jews to this day that are in Judea. Get away because you love in spite of us. Lord, thank you for your love for us in spite of us. Thank you for your warnings and thank you for your exhortations, Lord. We just pray, Lord. I pray, Lord God, right now for all the Christians that are out there listening, Lord God, that we would be faithful to you until the end, Lord we would continue to believe. We would continue to trust. Would even all the things of this world pull us away from you, Lord. I pray that we would continue to come back and trust and just shed all the things of the world and grow closer, Lord, unto you. Thank you, Lord God, for your love. And I pray we'd respond to it today by just, Lord, renewing our faith and just trusting in you and just resting in you, even when everything in our lives may be falling apart. (laughs) And Lord, I pray for those out there that aren't yours right now. I pray, Lord God, that you would open their hearts, Lord, and help them to see that because you said it and you spoke it beforehand, and I pray that they see your love. I pray, Lord God, that you would draw them to Jesus. pray you draw them to Christ, Lord God, so that they could come to have an intimate, beautiful relationship with you. Lord, and that they may be saved, Lord. And if they're skeptical, Lord, I pray that they'd come to you and just... Well, God, I know what that pastor said, but you know, I just don't believe it. Would you would you show me some things? I, I, I want to know if he's right. Lord, I pray that they would even just come inquiring, as I did. I just wanted to see if you were real 15 years ago. And Lord, just because I just started to seek you and, 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 and see if you were real, Lord, you just revealed yourself to me in a powerful way. Lord, I pray the same for those listening today. That as they seek you, if, if they, I pray that they seek you, Lord, and then you would show yourselves to them in a powerful way as you did me. Lord, we love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. And we just ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God, everyone. It's Pastor Ed here, and thank you so much for listening to the message. It's my prayer that you were encouraged and challenged with what you heard today, to be a doer of God's Word and not a hearer only, because your life will soon be passed, and only what you've done for Jesus Christ will last. If you live in the Dallas, Texas area, we want to invite you to come to our little house church here in McKinney, Texas. Sunday mornings, our service is at 1015, and the directions can be found on our website. Also, if you have any prayer requests or questions, or maybe you believe God has called you to support this church financially, please go to gospelsavingchurch.com and click on the appropriate links. I would love to hear from you personally. God loves you very much. Please love Him back by the way you live your life. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.